Greetings once again, Retreat Church. Thank you for joining us online to worship today. We pray that you um, have enjoyed your experience worshiping, being led by Noelia, and that um, you are doing well. And we pray that if you are in the area, that you would join us on campus this Sunday at 1030 for in-person worship, both indoor and outdoor. That would be amazing. And if you need to contact us for any reason, especially to commit your life to Jesus Christ, we pray that you do so via our website at theretreatchurch.com. I would love to be um, personally be in contact with you. But as we study God's Word today, I invite you to grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 11. And as you're turning there, just a simple question for you today. Well, not simple, but actually um, kind of quite unnerving sometimes is that we ask this question that has God ever shown up too late in your life where you feel like maybe you received an answer to a question or maybe some resources um, to help in a situ certain situation in your life where it's like, well, God, I needed this a year ago or I needed this, you know, a month ago or I needed this when this relationship was still intact and now the relationship seems to be ruined and now I get an answer or now I get a resource. It, you know, we have a certain expectation of God, and a lot of that expectation is built upon um, our own desires or maybe some things that we've seen God do in some other people's lives, um, where we see God work miraculously in other people's lives, and then we're tempted to believe, like, you know, well, what about me, God? What what happened in my life? You You provided for them, but you've yet to provide for me. And you know, the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that it's so... Um, honest about the human condition and about how we interact with God and how we interact with each other. And then we get to see how Jesus and how God the Father um, interacts with people when we are um, reacting in our own humanness. Because that's really all, all we have, right? I mean, we are human. And um, when our relationship with God, sometimes I think we think that we need to behave somehow other than human, that to express our human emotion to God is somehow blasphemy or, or somehow some sort of sin. And I think that that comes from um, things that preachers have said, not what Jesus has said and not what the Bible teaches. Um, the Bible teaches that we humans have the freedom um, and God, I think, makes room for our humanness and the things that we uh, may struggle with, especially regards to how he's operating in our life. And I think that God, um, as we see in Jesus so often, has compassion on people. That 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 was his response in Acts. Um, excuse me, in um, John chapter eleven, was when Mary and Martha and those in that situation that had lost Lazarus. Um, they when they responded um, in their human nature with some disappointment with God and disappointment with Jesus and Mary and Martha tell Jesus they say you, you showed up too late. Um, if you were here four days ago, then then perhaps our loved one Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus' response to them is to I, to reveal his identity. That's what he does. He says, well, when we are acting in our humanness, Jesus comes and says, "I'm. let me show you who I am. Let me show you that I am present with you. Let me show you the things that based upon my nature that I can do. And so... Um, when in the middle of that, we also see his compassion. And we're going to see all that unfold in this text. Because when we look at John 11, what I hope and pray that God does in your heart today is that he shows you 
that hope is found in Jesus' presence and identity, not in the timing of his showing up, right? And that's so hard for us because um, there's some things in my life and there's some things I'm sure in your life where there seems to be a deadline, like, Jesus, I need you to fix this, like, now, all right? Because the, after tomorrow or after, you know, a month from now, God, there isn't going to be any space to fix this. Well, that's very human of me, isn't it, to respond that way? Very human of you to respond like that. But let's dive into the text and let's see um, how, how this unfolds. The first part of this text in John chapter 11, paints the Luke, uh, John paints this picture of this hopeless situation to where Jesus is in control. Jesus understands what he's doing and is, is fully aware of everything that is going on, both on the surface and the deeper things that God the Father is up to. And his relationship with the Father seems to be on, on a different kind of plane than his relationship with those that are around him. It's like him and God, the Father, know what's going on. And Jesus' prayers in this section of Scripture reveal that um, him and the Father are on the same page. And that the, the people, the disciples, are kind of left in this, in this space where they lack understanding. Not because they're, they're stupid, not because they're, they're unspiritual, but because they're human. And so notice when you read this, and you're going to have to read a lot of this on their own. We're not going to read, just read through it this um, today. Um, but when you read this first section, you'll notice that in the first 16 verses, it looks bad. It looks like Jesus stayed away on purpose. Um, the disciples were confused because when Jesus says, let's go to Jerusalem, um, they say, well, he, you know, what's going on? Because Jesus says to them, that Lazarus has fallen asleep and they say, well, doesn't he then need to rest? And Jesus is like, no, then he has to like speak plainly to them, right? He has to say, no, no, he's dead. That, that phrase, Lazarus is dead and let's go. And then Thomas speaks up and says, wait a minute, if we're going to, those people were just trying to kill you in Jerusalem and now we're going to go there. Why, why are we going there? If, if, if Lazarus is already dead and they're trying to kill you, why are we going there? And then, Thomas makes this wonderful statement. He just kind of seems to be a little bit exasperated in the text. He says, well, I guess we'll go die with you then. And that's the way that the disciples are seeing this, that they're so committed to Jesus and Jesus is doing things that uh, don't make any sense to them. It seems way beyond the time for a visit, that the time for God to work has passed and um, Jesus has missed his opportunity. And now Thomas just simply says, well, then let's go die then so human of us, but so courageous at the same time with Thomas, right? So then he begins to go, and then as they're journeying, we notice in verses 17 through 32, the story breaks out where Jesus, when he's when he's on his way to Jerusalem, that, um, that Mary and Martha view all hope is lost. And then Mary runs out to meet Jesus, not to... Um, not to say thanks for coming, right? Not to show appreciation, but it seems to me that this woman is so bent out of shape with Jesus that she cannot wait for Jesus to get actually into town and to her home before she shares her displeasure. She hears that he's coming, and so she leaves her home and she ventures out 
a little distance away from the city and she meets Jesus as he's coming in because she's so ready to tell Jesus that you've shown up too late and we're disappointed. And notice as you read the text and you search the heart of Jesus in this in this text and you ask the Lord and the Holy Spirit to minister to you as you read, you'll notice that Jesus does not um, smite her, that she's not charged with blasphemy, that she's not in any way punished or ridiculed or looked down upon, but Jesus has compassion on her. And so this situation seems hopeless. And then when Jesus does come into town, Martha says the same thing, Jesus, you, why, why are you even here? What, what are you, you've come too late. If you were here, then my brother would not have passed away. And so you have this seemingly hopeless situation. However, in the middle of this seemingly hopeless situation where the time has passed and Lazarus has now been dead for four days, we notice then that when all hope seemed lost, Jesus reminded them of his presence and his identity. Now I want to read a couple verses of scripture because Jesus does something here that's pretty important. And the way that John spells this out becomes very important and, and very um, detailed in the way that, that Jesus is working here, and he's always doing some deeper things in our lives. So let's um, look at this section, starting in verse 23 of John chapter 11. We notice, we notice this. Um, there's the verse. Okay, so Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus says, listen, your brother's going to raise again. And she goes, I know, on the last day. It's almost like, and I don't mean to be uh, rude here, but it's almost like, you know, when you and I lose a loved one and you're hurting and you miss them and you're feeling that sense of loss and that sense of loneliness. And then someone walks up to you at a funeral and says, that's okay, you'll see him in heaven. Well, that's good. We're glad for that. We are, we are so glad for that. That that that's an amazing piece of the hope of the gospel and a very sustaining piece of the gospel. But what are we supposed to do for the next year? What are we supposed to do for the next five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years? What are we supposed to do now, Jesus? I know that I know that heaven and I know that eternity and I know when we're in eternity we're going to look back on our life and it's going to look like as the Bible says just a, a vapor just a, a blade of grass I know but now Jesus but right now it seems like an eternity that first year for people when they lose a loved one seems like 10 years 20 years and all those first things are very hard so in this conversation Jesus is saying he will rise again and 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 Martha's like, I know, but what about now, Jesus? What, what about right now? What about today? And so Jesus then says to her that he's talking about today. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe this, that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, notice what Jesus just did for her. This statement that Jesus makes, this I am statement, and there are several throughout the gospel accounts. This statement where Jesus says to her, he says, I am 
the resurrection and the life. When you read that in the Greek language, there is no the in the in in that sentence. It literally says, says he am resurrection and life. Jesus is saying, I am resurrection and life. Me, Jesus says, I I don't have it. I, it's not something that is outside of me, but he says his very being, being in his very presence, is resurrection and life. And it's very interesting, the word that John uses here poor, really emphasizes the present moment, not necessarily the future, though that's an important piece of the gospel. I'm not diminishing that, but I want to focus on here. And when John John writes this, he uses this word that is a combination of two words. First, it is the, the Greek preposition, ana, which means, and I didn't pronounce that right, sorry, but which means in the midst of, which means right here, right now, in, in our present place. And then the verb, which means to stand, to rise up. Right here, right now, rise up. Jesus is saying, I am present now in your life, the power and the resource to stand up now, here, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of pain. Jesus is saying that my presence is with you right now, and the power in my presence is operating in your life and enabling you to stand. Jesus is saying, I am resurrection, and I am life. And the word life here is one that we see pretty much, it's even become, become, I guess, maybe a popular name. I've heard it several times, but the, the word Zoe, which we under me, understand to mean the absolute fullness of life that belongs to God. And Jesus is saying that I realize, Mary and Martha, that you think that this is too late. Your brother's been in the grave four days. And later, when, when in just a moment, when Jesus calls Lazarus out of the grave, when he tells the, the stone to be moved away, that he's told, Jesus, it's going to stink. We can't, we can't roll that over. They were so convinced that this was over that they even said, Jesus, no, we are not rolling away the stone. This is, this is, this, the smell is going to come out of there. This smell of, of our loved one dying and rotting in the grave and Jesus is like no he's coming out because I'm, I'm here I'm present with you you see and you might be thinking that there are so many things in your life that are beyond God's repair that it's just too late for you and it's too late for this situation maybe it's too late for a loved one they've made too many mistakes they've gone too far off of the deep end and Jesus is saying to us this morning he's saying no in your midst in your midst, by Jesus being present with us, there's power to resurrect anything. And he's going to resurrect it to the fullness of the life that belongs to God. And that's the presence of Jesus. And that is why hope in Jesus is found in his presence and his identity. And so as this passage begins and continues to unfold, we are really sensed from John this call to believe that our faith is strengthened in when the glory of God is revealed in hopeless situations. That that begins to form our belief. 
that as Jesus, and I know this is so hard for us, it's so hard for, for us to, to, to kind of experience and be willing to move through, but that Jesus in this text specifically on purpose stays away until Lazarus dies. And I, this is, I don't even like to say this, but I think sometimes in our life, we see Jesus doing this for us, that he purposely stays away and allows our situation to get to where it is so bad that only the glory of God is going to fix it. And then when we see and experience the glory of God in situations that seem absolutely hopeless, that we understand then the power and the glory of God and our faith and our experience with God is deepened and enhanced. Notice what Jesus says all the way back in verse 4 when they're questioning Jesus about this whole situation. Jesus says this, but when Jesus heard it was said that the, it said, this illness does not lead to death. So when he finds out that Lazarus is dead, he says, this illness is not leading to death. And he says this, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of Man, excuse me, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, at first glance, you're thinking, my goodness, Jesus wants glory. That's why he's allowing Lazarus to be sick. That's why he's allowing Lazarus to die. That's why he's staying away until it seems to be absolutely helpless and so that he can receive glory. Now, understand that when we get upset about statements like that, we are we are reading into Jesus' statement our own humanity because you and I know that when a person seeks glory, they're seeking attention, right? They're seeking to um, satisfy some insecurity or arrogancy or pride within their heart. And, and we know that, that people that run around seeking to be glorified, seeking to be honored, seeking to be praised, seeking to get all of the attention, we those are egomaniacs, right? Those are people that are full of pride and arrogancy. And we don't picture Jesus going around and doing things like this in order for to get all the attention, to get all the praise, to to be the man, right? To be the superstar, to to be the one that stands out greater than everybody else. And so we're a little bit disillusioned by this. And people that push against Jesus and reject God, they say, they read passages like this and they say, well, that's why I don't believe in God, because he simply is portrayed in, in this book that people made up to be this glory seeker. And, and who, who really is that? And why would I want to worship someone like that? Well, we don't really understand because we're looking at it through a human perspective. But if we back up a little bit and move that back down towards the end of this text, we notice, starting in verse 38, we read this. When, then when Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by now, by this time, there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always believed me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. 
Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. What an amazing, what an amazing time. And what an amazing, crazy scene this must have been. But notice what, don't get, don't get caught up in the big moment. Remember, every sign, every wonder, every miracle was pointing to a reality concerning the identity of Jesus. So notice what Jesus prays. He says in regards to that they would see the glory of God, that the main point is found in verse 42, where Jesus says that they may believe that you sent me. There's the point. And Jesus is saying that the glory of God is when we see the glory of God, we experience the glory of God. It's not so that God or Jesus can receive this big party and this big attention and, and, and um, solve some part of insecurity in their life or, or, or serve their pride and their arrogance. But it is when we glorify God and we see his glory, then our faith in the fact that God the Father did send the Son and Jesus is who he says he is. And we trust him and his work on the cross. And we receive salvation for our souls. And we live in harmony with our creator. And our life now, though there are, are these challenges, there is this hope. And there is this power. This present resurrection power that brings the God type of life in its fullness to our experience here. Extending out into eternity. And though things seem to be beyond God's repair, that God is saying that as you see my glory in these seemingly broken situations, that you will believe in the person of Jesus and you will believe and have everlasting life. So the challenge then becomes this. I would love for you to spend some time reading through this passage on your own spending some time with the Lord, and then perhaps closing your Bible and spending some time in prayer and readdressing some hopeless situations in your life. Some hopeless things that maybe you've lost during this, this pandemic, during this last very difficult year. Maybe some things that you are wanting to be restored to you. Maybe some things that some bad choices on behalf of you, or maybe someone or others around you that maybe you're the victim of something and you just think it's too late for God to fix. I invite you to spend some time with Jesus and know that he's present and know that maybe he hasn't worked according to your timetable, but the purposes of him doing so is so that you will see the glory of God and you will believe in his identity, that you will believe in him as the one and only Son of God, that you will believe in his work on the cross and that you would be saved and you will have the life of God present within you, extending out through eternal life. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we pray today that you would contact us at our website, theretreatchurch.com, and that you would let someone or else around you today know, one of your friends, whoever invited you to watch this video, or if, if you have a, a Christian in your life, that you would contact them immediately and say, I've decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you contact us at theretreatchurch.com, We'll get you with someone and we'll have you get started on a basic Bible study that will help you begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. God bless you and we'll see you next time.